0: Late in Thursday's game, the Orioles' offense looked lifeless once again, and it looked like they were about to be swept for the first time all season. But then, once again, the comeback Orioles came alive, scored six runs in the final three innings, and got the win over the Brewers. I'll recap it all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are locked on Orioles. Your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Friday, June 9th, 2023. And welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we are going to recap a huge Orioles comeback win as they beat the Brewers 6-3 to on Thursday, avoiding the sweep. I'll get you the five things you need to know from that one, including a bunch of hitters breaking out of a slump and Kyle Bradish looking unhittable for a few innings then we'll talk about coming up this weekend for the Orioles starting with Saturday's game against the Royals the O's will need to finally once again commit to a number five starter it can't be Grayson Rodriguez for now so who will rejoin the rotation this weekend and then we'll do a full preview of the three-game series between the O's and the Royals coming up at Camden Yards but that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast which is brought to you by Game Time. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. So let's jump right into what was a huge Orioles win. Final score from Milwaukee on Thursday afternoon. Orioles 6 and Brewers 3 as the O's score six runs over the final three innings to complete a comeback victory. And they avoid the sweep after dropping the first two games of this series. They win game three as the O's go to 38-24 and on the season. And with avoiding that sweep, they still have not been swept this year. And even more impressively, the Orioles have not been swept in any series, since they called up Adley Rutschman last May, it's almost 13 months without being swept. Just so impressive and just another stat that tells you how big of a difference Adley has made for this team. But I'm going to get you the five things you need to know from the Orioles 6-3 to three win over the Brewers on Thursday afternoon and the first thing you need to know is what I already said the comeback kids for the O's did it again Orioles with the most comeback victories in all of baseball this season and that continued on Thursday trailing three nothing in this game after the Brewers put up a three spot in the first but then did not score after that the Orioles at bats looked lifeless they weren't getting a lot of quality contact it looked very similar to the loss on Wednesday night when the O's did score two runs in the ninth but lost 10-2 to and it basically felt like they were shut out in that game well finally in the seventh they get a little bit of a break with the Ramona Reyes homer but that was it but then they go to the eighth and you got the back end of the Brewers bullpen which has been good this year Peter Strezlecki comes out there you got Devin Williams waiting in the wings and the Orioles just jump on them. Three runs in the eighth inning to go on top four to three. And then a huge two insurance runs in the ninth to go up six to three. And that was enough to win the ball game. And I said this on Twitter at Lockdown Orioles on Thursday during the game. This is now one of a few times this season where the Orioles have been, you know, in a little bit of a rough stretch of baseball. Whether it's a couple straight losses or, you know, losing three out of four and they're in a game where it looks like the rough stretch is gonna turn into like a big slump and a losing streak. And they always seem to come up with a huge comeback late in the game to win the biggest one I can think of is the series in New York a couple weeks ago. They lose, you know, game one of the series, game two, they're down five to one in the seven, things are looking bleak, and then they put up eight runs in the seventh inning. Well, similar thing here lose the first two games of the series, three nothing entering the seventh. They go boom, 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 they're up six to three, and they win the game. Just so so impressive. This 2023 Orioles team is never dead, you can never count them out, no matter how bad they look throughout a game. And for the last few games before it, just a really really cool win and an impressive win before the O's come back home. Second thing you need to know from this one is that pretty much everyone who played a big factor in the Orioles' comeback offensively over the final three innings did it by breaking out of a big slump and that could be a huge factor for the Orioles going forward because the big hits came from these guys first it was Ramon Arias who finally opened the scoring with a solo homer in the seventh just his second home run of the year came off of Joel Piamps to make it a three to one game with two outs in the top of the seventh inning Arias hitting it just 100 miles per hour off the bat 363 feet but just enough to get it out to right field for the homer And it got Arias going a little bit. I mean, he did have, you know, a pinch hit double in the game in the ninth inning on Tuesday. He did have a two for 25 before that since coming off the injured list. But then he hits the homer in this game. He ends up singling to start the rally in the ninth inning. And Arias ends up with a three for four day in this game. Remember, he only had three hits since coming off the IL a few weeks ago in total. And then he had three hits in this game alone. That is huge for Arias, who even before going out with that lower body injury, just had not been swinging the bat very well all season. But the three-hit game, just huge for him here. And it becomes just his third three-hit game of the season. Had a three-for-five against the Braves on May 5th and a four-for-four against the Red Sox on April 26th. The only other two times he's done it this year. That is a great sign if he can get his bat going a little bit and then Anthony Santander same kind of thing now he was hitting the ball hard in this game but he had been really slumping Santander was in an 0 for 25 before finally finally breaking out of that thing with the big RBI double in the eighth inning after Rutchman singled and went to second on the error Santander drives him home to make it a 3-2 game he had been slumping early then was red hot then slumping again maybe this will break him out once again And then, I mean, listen, Gunnar Henderson had the big hit, right? The biggest hit. The two-run homer in the eighth that put the Orioles on top four to three. And Henderson maybe hasn't been the same kind of slump because generally a lot of his season has been a slump at times. But he goes opposite field, 98 off the bat, 366 feet for his seventh homer. And one of the big indicators for Gunnar Henderson, knowing that he's maybe starting to break out of the offensive slump, is when he starts using his power to the opposite field. That is his most impressive part of his game as a hitter, his oppo power. When he hits a, a home run down the left field line to give the O's the lead, goes up and gets a high fastball on a pitch that he hasn't been hitting all year. The high fastball, especially the up and away fastball, he's basically done nothing against that pitch all season. That swing was just ginormous. For Gunnar Henderson and him potentially finally really breaking out here in 2023 and then you got a shout out to Adam Frazier who had a three for 24 going and was not playing well at all in the month of June all of a sudden gives them the huge insurance runs the two run double in the top of the ninth to make it a six to three game just laces one down the right field line at 103 off the bat that's a huge swing for Adam Frazier, just huge swing after huge swing. Unfortunately, Ryan Mountcastle didn't break out of this slump, but everybody else seemed to do it in this game. Just kind of a perfect combining of those factors for the late comeback. Third thing you need to know from this one as we switch it over to the pitching side. After the first inning in this game, Kyle Bradish was so, so fun to watch. Now, I admit it. He had some struggles in the first. I mean, he threw 30-plus pitches, and he gave up three runs in that first inning. But he didn't get help by his defense. Always had that play where Gunnar Henderson could have pretty easily fielded a ground ball. Then he stopped because he thought Frazier was going to get it, and it trickled into center field for a base hit. And there really wasn't a lot of hard-hit balls in that first inning against Braddish. Things just kind of snowballed against him. And generally, there were some balls hitting to the ground and just some bad luck. But overall, he got out of the inning like he needed to. And then he just settled down and looked about as dominant for the next four innings as he has all year. Bradish's final line in this game goes five-plus innings. He did allow a leadoff double in the sixth and then left the game. But he allowed three runs on six-hitch with ten strikeouts. That's a season high for Bradish to just one walk in this game. That walk was to the leadoff batter. Of the game Christian Yelich Didn't walk anybody The rest of the game Struck out 10 98 pitches Just 5 hard hit balls Against him The stuff was just I mean it was It was unreal at times It was only 15 whiffs On 45 swings Which is Honestly, not as many whiffs as you'd usually see when you get a 10-strikeout game, but he was efficient with his pitches after that bad first inning. The slider was really, really good once again. It was, as we've talked about, when Bradish is good, the slider is his number one pitch, that's what he did. 34 sliders, his most thrown pitch on the day. Got eight whiffs on 18 swings. Also got five called strikes on the pitch. It was in the strike zone. It was breaking out of the strike zone. He was just moving that slider every which way. It was really, really impressive. He also had his four-seam fastball working probably as good as it's worked all year. That is his worst pitch, and it's the pitch he's gotten pummeled on on the last two seasons. But when the four-seam is working like that, he becomes an even better pitcher. And that was, that was fun. I mean, it was unfortunate that he had such the bad first inning, so he couldn't pitch deeper into this game. But he recorded 15 outs and 10 for VIA strikeout. That was fun to watch for Kyle Bradish. Fourth thing you need to know from this one, the bullpen got it done for the Orioles. As I just mentioned, you know, Bradish only went five innings. They tried to get him through six. He allowed a leadoff double to William Contreras in the sixth inning, and he was pulled. But the O's bullpen did their job. Brian Baker, who's been struggling a little bit, comes in, strands that runner at second with a scoreless sixth inning with a strikeout. How about Keegan Aiken? He's been bad. Gives the Orioles an inning and a third scoreless, one hit, one strikeout, and no walks. Now, his seventh inning was kind of low stakes. It was a three-to-one game, pitched a scoreless seventh. But then he came back out in the eighth after the Orioles had taken the four-to-three lead and he got Rowdy Telez to pop up to start the inning before he was pulled, which was a huge out for the Orioles. Then Yenye Keno, who's been scuffling a bit, Only had to get two outs in this game, but retired both batters he faced in the bottom of the eighth inning. And the interesting thing from Cano, he only threw six pitches to get those two outs, but he started his outing with a slider for a called strike. And then the last pitch he threw in the outing was a slider that Owen Miller popped up to end the inning. So Cano threw two sliders out of six pitches. He hadn't thrown a slider before that in his last seven outings. So it was good to see Cano scuffle a little bit and say, all right, let me make a little bit of a tweak. Let me throw my slider a little bit again just to get them thinking about it. And that seemed to be enough to get those two outs. And then Felix Bautista was Felix Bautista. I mean, he allowed a one-out single, but he gets two strikeouts, gets the scoreless hitting. Gets the save on 21 pitches. The fastball wasn't as good as it's been at times. He didn't look as dominant as he looked on Tuesday night in this series. He only had one whiff. It came on the strikeout he got with a splitter to Luis Arias, but it was enough to get the W, and the Orioles win it 6-3, and avoid that sweep. And listen, if you're playing pretty good baseball and you are avoiding sweeps, you're going to end up with enough wins to get into the playoffs. If you know you're getting at least one win out of every series, and generally you're getting two, That's a good way to play into October, and hopefully that's what the O's are doing. And the fifth and final thing you need to know from this 6-3 win is just a shout-out to Brandon Hyde. I thought he used his roster incredibly well in this game. He stuck with Kyle Braddish after the bad first inning, and Braddish gave him four more scoreless. I liked the idea to let Braddish try to get through the sixth. He couldn't do it, but Hyde was ready with a quick trigger. Lead-off double, all right, that's it. We're going to Brian Baker. Baker gets the outs. He goes to Aiken. I thought it was smart to leave Aiken in to get the lefty in the eighth inning and then go get Cano and say, you know what? We're only going to ask two outs out of you because you've been overused. You've been scuffling a bit, only two outs. Then of course it's the easy move to go to Felix Bautista. But even with the hitters as well and the defensive replacements in this game, you know, he goes to Aaron Hicks earlier in the game in the eighth inning as a defensive replacement for Ryan O'Hearn, who started in left field. And then Hicks gets a chance to hit to lead off the ninth inning, and Hicks does what he does. He draws a walk and ends up scoring a run. You know, he ends up going with Ryan McKenna in right field defensive replacement. That's a fairly standard move by Brandon Hyde, but going to Jorge Mateo as the pinch runner for Ramon Arias in the ninth. Gives you more speed. He scores a run, and then he's out there defensively at shortstop for the bottom of the ninth inning. And hey, you know what? I'm not really a fan of the sacrifice bunt, but it worked out for the Orioles in the ninth inning. James McCann... Did double earlier in the game, but also had two bad strikeouts. And he comes up with runners on first and second and nobody out. And McCann able to lay down the sack bunt, move up the runners, and Frazier drives him in with a two-run double. I still don't love it, but hey, Brandon Hyde, I felt, pulled the right strings in this game and got the O's to a big win. But now the Orioles move and set their sights on luckily a much um, I'll say easier opponent in the Kansas City Royals who they've already won a series over this year and who are not playing good baseball right now but before we fully preview the series the Orioles do have a decision to make because they don't have a starter right now for Saturday because they finally after sending Grayson Rodriguez down really do need a fifth starter in the rotation so coming up next we'll talk about who that fifth starter could be and who it should be for Saturday's game but first This episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by Game Time. Now, buying tickets to your favorite events, it doesn't have to be stressful. You can be someone who buys them at the last minute. That's me right now. I am in St. Louis, as I've talked about this week on the podcast, and I'm going to Cardinals Reds here tonight on Friday night. As I'm recording this, I haven't bought the tickets yet. Because I know on game time, I'm going to get a killer deal on last minute tickets. They've got a best price guarantee. They've got flash deals going on at any time so I can save on those tickets. And I can get some pretty good seats as well to go to Busch Stadium for the first time tonight. So you can forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Just today, I can buy those tickets to the Cardinals games. And the app is super easy to use, and you can search any game, any theater, any concert, anything. So snag the tickets without the stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account redeem the code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. So after the Orioles were able to salvage Game 3 of this series against the Brewers, they turned their attention to the Kansas City Royals, who they will host for a three-game series this weekend at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. And I wanted to specifically start by focusing on Saturday's Game 2 of the series, because the O's have named a starting pitcher for two out of the three games this weekend. Tyler Wells will go tonight on Friday. And Kyle Gibson will go on Sunday. But in between, the O's haven't named a starter yet. And that's not because, you know, somebody's dealing with injury or they're trying to figure out the rotation in terms of order. It's because the O's have not had a fifth starter on the roster since they demoted Grayson Rodriguez back down to AAA. After his rough start against the Rangers two weeks ago, they did end up sending him down the next day. So, unfortunately... Because of that, they are left without a fifth starter. And because of the new rules, you have to wait 15 days to call up a pitcher after you send him down unless there's an injury. It looks like Grayson Rodriguez, if I'm doing my math right, is not going to be available to come back up and start on Saturday. Now, he's only made one start. It was six scoreless, five strikeouts, five walks in AAA since then. But I don't think he's eligible. The first time Grayson Rodriguez's spot came up, remember what the Orioles did. They went with a bullpen game. It was an absolute disaster in a 12-8 loss to the Guardians. And it never came up a second time because they had an off day on that Thursday. Then they had an off day that following Monday. And that allowed them to only use four starters and keep the rotation the same. So this is the first time once again that they're back to needing a fifth starter. And luckily, Brandon Hyde did say on Wednesday that the Orioles are more likely to go with a traditional starter than the bullpen game. Huh, I wonder why. But now you got to figure out, well, who's going to be the starter? Well, if you look at the current roster, the Orioles do have nine relievers versus four starters, so they're still going with 13 pitchers. Generally, you have five starters, eight relievers. And there are two guys in the bullpen at the moment who have very recently been starting pitchers. That's Bruce Zimmerman and Austin Voth. But I don't think... It's going to be either of those guys. Zimmerman because, well, he just threw 61 pitches in relief on Wednesday. That would only give him two days off, Thursday and Friday, before throwing again. So he could be available in relief on Saturday for a couple of innings if he's still on the roster. But after 61 pitches Wednesday, I do not think he's an option for Saturday. And then for Austin Voth, while you know, he hasn't pitched in a little bit. He pitched on Tuesday night in the 10th inning, didn't throw Wednesday or Thursday. We'll see if he throws in the Friday night game. But after they tried to make Voth kind of the follower, the bulk man in that last bullpen game, and he only lasted two and a third and got hit around, and then since then he's been much better in the one-inning relief role again, I don't think the O's are going to transition him back to starter to try to do it again. So what that means is... I think they're looking at AAA, And now you have kind of an easy out because Zimmerman did throw 61 pitches on Wednesday. He has options. So you can easily kind of option Bruce Zimmerman and call up that starter. So you don't really have to worry about what the roster move is. Now, there's really three options, right? It's Cole Irvin, it's Spencer Watkins, it's Drew Rahm. All three are on the 40-man roster. All three have been in the big leagues at some point this season with the Orioles. And two out of the three have started games for the O's before now let's start with Cole Irvin he was optioned on May 21st down to AAA last time so it has been at least 15 days since then so he can be called up for Saturday it was a disaster right for him in the big leagues to start the year three starts he had a 10 plus ERA he was walking guys like he never had before giving up homer after homer but he's been good in AAA seven starts a 3-2-1 ERA in 42 innings he has allowed 40 hits And only 22 strikeouts, but only four walks in those 42 innings to go along with six homers. He last pitched on May 31st, so that would make him plenty rested as long as he didn't start basically tonight's game for Norfolk, which I don't think is going to happen because they don't want to have him as an option for Saturday. And you can bring him back against a bad offense. We'll get to this, but the Royals have one of the worst offenses in baseball. And I know they scored some runs in that series in Kansas City against the O's, but it'd be nice to Eve Irvin back in against a pretty bad offense. Next option would be Spencer Watkins. Now, in AAA this year, 22 innings, a six-five-five ERA, 18 strikeouts to 17 walks. It hasn't looked pretty. Now, he looked much better in his last start, which was June 4th. Three innings, one run, four hits, five Ks, and a walk. But you notice him only going three innings. He was on the injured list for a while. He had like a cut and a blister on his finger. Since coming back he hasn't been built up past three innings. So if the Orioles are going the traditional starter route, they're just not going to go Spencer Watkins because they're not going to take a guy who's pitched two and three innings his last few times in AAA and ask for five-plus out of him in the big leagues on Saturday. I doubt they would do that. And then the last option would be Drew Rahm, who in AAA this year with nine starts, 44 to third innings, a four-six-seven 7 ERA, 49 Ks to 22 walks. But his last two starts have not been good at all. May 31st, the last time he pitched, three innings, only two runs with five strikeouts, but he walked five batters as well. And then the start before that on May 25th was a disaster. Six earned runs on seven hits over an inning and two thirds. So while Rahm is an option, I don't know if after those back-to-back starts, this is the time to call him up to start, which really leads me to believe I think it's got to be Cole Irvin, right? It just has to be Irvin. It makes too much sense. He's got way more experience than those two guys combined. He started for the O's earlier this season. He's pitching well in AAA. And quite frankly, as we talked about, it should have been Cole Irvin starting that game a couple of weeks ago against Cleveland when the Orioles went with the bullpen game. Now, it initially couldn't have been Irvin because that bullpen game came up before it had been 15 days since he'd been optioned. But because they put Cedric Mullins on the injured list the day before, the Orioles could have gamed the system, moved the roster around a little bit, and had Irvin technically replace Mullins as the injury replacement. Then he could have come up and started that final game of the series. They didn't. It backfired. Hopefully they get it right this time. And I'm not saying Irvin's going to be amazing and he's going to look like he did in Oakland the last two years. But he's probably going to be better than he was in his first three starts with the Orioles this season. And at least for now, until you're bringing Grayson back, the easy answer just has to be going with Cole Irvin, at least for a little bit. So hopefully that is the move the Orioles make, and we hear about it on Saturday before starting that Saturday game. So coming up next, to finish off the pod, I'll preview the entire series between the Orioles and the Royals at Camden Yards. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is also brought to you by... Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs, the most comfortable pair of shorts you will ever own. Now, they have pants too, and they're great, but I want to talk about the shorts because it's summer. We're into June. It's getting hot out there. Now, you probably shouldn't be going outside right now in Baltimore because of the awful smoke in the air. Not good air quality, but once that clears up, hopefully, you're going to want to go back outside with your bird dogs they look good they feel good they've got that wicking technology that just wicks away the sweat keeps you cool and comfortable during the summer but they also look good so you can wear them you know to be athletic you can wear them to a nicer dinner during the summer they are that versatile as well and that fabric is so so comfortable and they fit super well i have two pairs of the bird dogs i wear them all the time they got the lining inside the shorts as well which makes it comfy in the summer just a great pair of shorts and hey even if you're wearing them today you can wear them lounging around the house as well. So make sure you go to birddogs.com, get those shorts, get those pants. But if you go to birddogs.com slash locked on MLB and you enter the promo code locked on MLB, they'll also throw in a free custom birddogs Yeti style tumbler with every order. So get the tumbler and get the best shorts you'll ever own at birddogs.com. So after the Orioles did drop two out of three to the Brewers, but ended up coming home with a three-and-three three road trip, win the series against the Giants, lose the series to the Brewers, they're back home 38-24, and 24, taking on the Kansas City Royals for a three-game series. And if you can't watch on TV and you'd like to listen on the radio, you can catch every pitch of the Orioles' hometown broadcast this weekend with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Orioles. But O's and Royals coming up this weekend, starting potentially tonight with what is scheduled to be a 7.05 first pitch. Now, I will say, depending on how the air quality is in Baltimore on Friday, they may not play this game. So just be prepared. If that air quality is still bad, this game may be postponed and we may be looking at a doubleheader on Saturday. But if it does go on as planned, the Orioles will go with Tyler Wells, who's been their best starter this year. Hopefully he can shut down a bad Royals order. On the royal side, they'll go with the left-hander Daniel Lynch, who has made two starts this season since returning from a shoulder strain. And they've both been solid. One was five innings, three runs, seven Ks against the Rockies. The other was five and a third, two runs, six Ks against the Washington Nationals. He's got some good stuff. He did pitch against the Orioles twice last year, actually started two games last season against the O's. The O's got to him. Between those two starts, nine innings, 12 hits, six runs— 12 Ks and five walks in those two games. Hopefully the Orioles can get to Lynch again this season. Then we go to the Saturday game. Again, it's TBD for the Orioles. Hopefully it is Cole Irvin, but he'll go up against the right-hander Brady Singer for that 405 game on Saturday. Singer had an amazing season last year, a 3.23 ERA in 2022. He looked like the future ace of the Royals. He's taken a large step back this season, has a 6.45 ERA on the year, but... His last start, came against the Rockies, was by far his best of the season, and it looked like he was turning a corner. Five and two-thirds innings, no runs, seven Ks, and no walks. That's the singer we saw last year. We'll see what he can do against the O's. His only start against the Orioles came in 2021 when they lit him up for seven runs over two innings, and then he left the game. Here's to hoping the O's can do that again. And then on Sunday, Orioles will go with the veteran right-hander Kyle Gibson. And on the flip side, it will... Not be finalized, I believe, yet, about 6.30 p.m. here on Thursday afternoon or Thursday evening. Don't think the Royals have announced a Sunday starter. But it looks like it could be Zach Granke, the veteran righty who went five scoreless innings against the Orioles, in kansas city on just 44 pitches and then got pulled for some reason but it also could be a bullpen game combo of carlos hernandez and mike myers two hard throwing righties the royals have done that a couple of times this year either way it'll be a right hander on the hill for kc in a 135 start on Sunday now taking a look at the Royals remember the Orioles took two out of three in Kansas City in a wild series in early May Orioles kind of jumped ahead in game one ended up holding on for a victory game two is one of the ugliest games of the year for the O's they lost six nothing they got no offense and then game three of that series was probably the craziest game of the season back and forth O's had a huge lead then Grayson Rodriguez got hit around they fell behind they came back in the eighth and the ninth and won that game 13 to 10 to win the series Things have not gone well for the Royals since then. Kansas City now 18-44 on the year. Second worst record in baseball. They should be the worst team in the league, but the A's have somehow been worse this season. Royals have lost six of their last seven, including they were just swept in a three-game series in Miami against the Marlins. They're 83-team WRC Plus is 27th in baseball, their 5.10 ERA is 28th in baseball, and their 4.90 bullpen ERA is 29th in baseball. This is a really, really bad team. The Orioles took the series on the road against them. The O's should be able to sweep them at home. At the very least, you got to win this series, but they should be able to sweep this one against Kansas City. And then I'll be back with you on Monday with a new episode of the pod, breaking down and recapping the three-game series against the Royals. Thank you so much to the YouTube viewers for your patience this week. As I mentioned, been on the road, not great internet, so no video podcasts. I am still here on YouTube, though, with a little bit for you to look at if you like to listen to your pods on YouTube. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. We're almost at 3,000 subscribers when we get there. Gonna do a huge giveaway for subscribers only, so make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to Locked On Orioles on YouTube. And then I'll be back with the regular look on YouTube, regular background, regular everything with the pod, recapping the weekend series between the O's and the Royals. That's on Monday's episode. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team.